welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's always on the lane train. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who enjoys a nice cold blood orange IPA. Ah, yeah, I discovered that. I'm not usually an IPA guy, but love that. This is Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who did a keg stand this weekend. Wow, I saw that. Bravo. Yeah, crazy. Trey Newman. All right, before we get into the show, uh, we want to remind everyone to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if we get any written reviews before our next episode, Ryan will read them live on the podcast in a British accent. Is that right, Ryan? I sure will, Michael. It'll be, it'll be a pleasant, pleasant experience. <laughs> oh, dear. Now we're going to get no <laughs> reviews. You should have saved it. <laughs> All right. On today's episode, we are covering the group of five. We'll be breaking down at least one team from every G5 conference. But first, we're going to get to the lone independent we're going to talk about, and that's Notre Dame. So, Ryan, what was their, uh, their win total set at? It was set at nine and a half, uh, and the under is the favorite at minus 135. Um, last year, Notre Dame had a bounce back year. They were, they finished 10 and three and they probably should be better this year considering, considering they ranked 20th in overall returning production and actually their first in defensive returning production. So their defense should be good. Um, even though they do return a lot, they have some, some significant departures. Um, they lose two offensive linemen who went in the top 10 of the NFL draft and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. So that's going to hurt. Um, but they do have three quality starters returning on that line. And the two new guys on the line are going to be Robert Hainsey and Liam Eichenberg, most likely. They're sophomores, but both highly touted, ta- um, really good, talented players. So they should be fine up the up front, and especially blocking for Brandon Wimbush. You know, they're going to be uh, that'll help things for them. Um, on the outside, they do lose Equanimous St. Brown. I think I mispronounced that first name, but gave it a shot. Equanimous. Equanimous. Excuse me. Yeah, you, Come you make on. it sound so easy. Uh, so they lose him and uh, Kevin Stefferson, but with Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin, and their senior tight end, Alize Mack. So I think their offense is going to be just fine. They'll be good. Um, I'll let you guys speak a little bit more about the defense, but I'm a believer in Notre Dame this year. So I'm going to take the the plus money over and say they go 10-2, and two, but just miss out on the playoff. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible not to like the defense, even with the loss of, of Mike Elko to Texas A&M. Uh, every level is solid. Nine starters coming back from what was already a very good defense last year. So the defense will be good. But Ryan, you did talk about some of the losses on the offensive line, Equinemius St. Brown, but I think you kind of glossed over the quarterback position. To me, that's still a big question mark for the team. I mean, believe me, Brandon Wimbush is going to be the starter. I think it's very unlikely that Ian Book is the starter, but I'm just not sure if Brandon Wimbush is all that good. He's obviously a great runner, but under 50% completions last year. So it's just kind of hard for me to imagine a team being a playoff, a real playoff contender with a quarterback who throws like that. So for that reason only, pretty much, I'm going under. I agree with you on Wimbush. He's going to have to improve, uh, you know, but, but hey, this is going to be a first full year with him and the full off season with him. So yeah, you say he was 50%. I really think he's going to have to get to around 60%. It's asking a lot. That's asking a ton. I know, but if they want to have a chance to get to, you know, at least a New Year's Six Bowl, that's what they're going to have to do. And like you said, though, with the defense returning most of the guys, 
he's not going to have to do a whole lot, but he's definitely going to have to improve to take that next step. You also got you also didn't really mention or I didn't hear the loss of of Josh Adams at running back. But I'm really not as concerned because Chip Long, their offensive coordinator, he he brought in a more up-tempo offensive scheme last year, and that's, that style is going to allow most running backs to succeed, and especially with the, the running ability with of Wimbush a little bit. Now, their schedule, it's, it isn't terribly overwhelming. So if they manage to beat Michigan in the opener, they have a strong shot at going over this total. So I'm going to lean over as I think Wimbush is going to make just enough progress to get them to 10 wins, but I'm not ready to throw them in the playoff. Yeah, guys, I, I think you're, un- I mean, they, Wimbush doesn't need to improve that much. They almost made the playoff last year. I mean, they, f- they finished, um, nine and three in the regular season. And remember they lost by, to Georgia by like one point. That's a good point. That's a good point. They, it, they were right there and they have all this returning production on defense. The defense should be better. So. I mean, they're right there. They were right there. Yeah, I felt like it was kind of a, a so close yet so far. I mean, that uh, that Miami performance really lingers in my mind last year. I think they lost like 41 to 8. So Yeah, and Stanford. Yeah, that was bad. You, you make a good point. It's not like he has to dr- drastically improve, but I still think his throwing ability puts a cap on the team. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, that does it for the independents. We're sorry, Army. Shout out to Ahmad Bradshaw. He's going to have a monster year on the ground. New Mexico State, they made a bowl game. Also New Mexico State, BYU, we're yeah. sorry. Kalana Sataki, already on the hot seat, maybe there. Yeah. But we need to get to the group of five. Let's start with a round of Call Me Crazy, but Trey, why don't you get us started? Call Me Crazy, but I think that in terms of the race for the playoff, Miami at Toledo is the most important game involving a group of five team. Now, it might not be the most sexy game on paper, But I think this is one where a potential playoff team in Miami is the most vulnerable on the road against a group of five team in Toledo. You've got them playing in the glass bowl. How often do you see that? Hmm. San Diego State at Stanford was another possible one I thought about, but I'm not completely sold on on Stanford necessarily being a playoff contender. So I think Toledo could give Miami all they can handle in this one. Yeah, I'm going to say that you're, you're not crazy. I guess some other options would be FAU going at OU. Uh, Arkansas State with Justice Hansen going to Alabama, Appalachian State at Penn State. But I think all those are going to have huge point spreads, whereas Toledo getting Miami at home, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, that big of a point spread. I think Toledo has, you know, a decent chance to get the upset there. So I would agree. I think you're not crazy. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy um, because I think that's a very subjective statement. Um, and you might be right. Uh, it's, it's But I'm going to go with a different game. It's a little more under the radar. I'm going to say Notre Dame versus Navy will be the most important game. That's a good one, too. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to be fighting for that playoff spot. And the game is being played in San Diego, a heavy um, Navy town. So there's, there will be a lot of Navy fans. And they always play the the, the Irish tough. So I'm going to say uh, that one will be a good game and maybe the most important. All right, I'm up next. I think the only G5 team we will discuss today with a conceivable chance of making the playoff is Florida Atlantic. Does that make me crazy? <laughs> Gnarls. <laughs> uh, so we saw UCF go through the toughest you know, group of five conference and dominate pretty much everyone, go undefeated, and they weren't even close to making the playoff, really. So no, it's, no. it's pretty clear you've, you've got to face some sort of elite power five opponent in the non-conference. And of the top G5 teams... I'm just not really seeing that on their schedule, except for Florida Atlantic. They've got that week one game at Oklahoma. 
that's pretty much a win you you can't deny. I mean, that's that's going to put you on the map. And then they also have at UCF on the schedule, which of course is not Power Five, but UCF earned a lot of respect last year. So if if those two teams are excellent and Florida Atlantic beats them, then maybe they got a chance to make the playoff. Yeah, I I think you're crazy, Mike. They they got to go undefeated. They got to win in Norman with an inexperienced quarterback. It's just <laughs> very unlikely. Very unlikely. Yeah, very unlikely. And I just, it's just not happening. So I got to call you crazy. All right. Um, I actually think the team that has the best chance uh, from the group of five to make the playoff would be Boise State. They play in the tougher Mountain West, and they play at Oklahoma State, who's not expected to be top 10, but hopefully if they could stay in the top 25 type of team, that'd be a big win for Boise. And they can they could conceivably go undefeated. Um, and they have the national respect already there. They've already had a, a lot of good years here for the last what, 15, 20 years. So they have the respect. If they go undefeated, there's a chance. Well, I, I think that chance, though, has to be that Oklahoma State, like, is that their only loss is against Boise State because they're going to need a top 10 or 15 win. I just don't think the Mountain West will be enough for the committee. I agree with you, you there, Michael. And I mean, I think Boise's the, a great team, but they just don't have the, the schedule opportunities to, to, to get in the playoff. Now, in regards to Michael, your actual statement, it's not crazy because of the fact that they, with their schedule, like you mentioned, with the marquee names of Oklahoma and, and, UCF, they are the team that would have a chance, but they're not. They're not going to do it. No, <laughs> uh, but but it's conceivable. It is technically conceivable. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Ryan, you're up next. Okay. Call me crazy, but I think that San Diego State running back Jawan Washington will lead the nation in rushing. Um, not many people know who this guy is, so it's kind of a you know, got a name to throw out there, but everybody will know him by the end of the year. They've had two consecutive 2,000-yard rushers in Rashad Penny and Donnell Pumphrey. And when Washington has gotten his chance, he's been really good. Limited opportunities, but he's been effective. So with an even better offensive line to run behind, I think he's going to have a monster year and lead the nation in rushing. That's that's not crazy, given San Diego State's track record. They just produce these 2,000-yard running backs like it's it's no big deal. And with Christian Chapman also entering his third season at quarterback, there is some stability back there to kind of not, he won't have to completely shoulder the load. So I'm confident in the Aztecs producing another solid ground game this year. (laughs) Thank you, Carly, for getting me started. This is crazy, Ryan, but it's only crazy because you think that anyone would think this opinion is crazy. I mean, (laughs) you you mentioned the two guys, Pumphrey and, uh, and Penny. Not only did they both rush for 2,000 yards, they both led the nation in rushing. So that's two straight years. So I don't see why it would be crazy that they do it a third time. And and you can't even use the argument that, that Jawan Washington is too small at 5'7", 190, because Pumphrey was 5'9", 180. So I know it's the year of the running back, Jonathan Taylor, Bryce Love, Devin Singletary, on down the list, but wouldn't be a surprise at all if Washington beat them all. Thank you for that pleasant scolding, Michael. Appreciate <laughs> You're very that. welcome, Ryan. Do you feel like an idiot? Because you are. Yeah, tail's kind of hiding between the legs right now. Yeah, I, I mean, even Carly Rae Jepsen thinks you're crazy. Yeah, well, she's a big college football fan. She's been on the podcast before. So, <laughs> uh, All right, well, you got a chance to redeem yourself here, Ryan, because we're about to get into the group of five teams. We're about to get into our, our top 10 list. So who is number 10? Okay, yeah, number 10 is Appalachian State. Their current win total is being set at uh, 8.5, and, and the under is the big favorite at minus 145. 
Uh, and I like the over here, actually. They're 27-3 and in their last 30 Sunbelt games, so they've been dominant lately. They are going to have to replace four-year starting quarterback Taylor Lamb and a great defensive coordinator, Nate Woody, who left to go to uh, Georgia Tech. But they promoted their longtime cornerbacks coach, uh, Brian Brown, so it should be a smooth transition on that side of the ball. At quarterback, the first option is going to be Zach Thomas. Um, no relation to the former Miami Dolphin linebacker, <laughs> at least I think. Probably not. Um, probably not. So he's a third-year sophomore who really only played garbage snaps last year for them. Um, if he doesn't cut it, it could be sophomore Jacob Huseman or redshirt freshman Peyton Derrick. So there, there are some options there, talented options. Um, but they have so much returning on both sides of the ball that if the QB can just be solid, I think they're going to compete again to win that Sun Belt. Um, but if the QB does disappoint and they don't find consistency there, it's going to be hard to compete um, with Arkansas State, who still has Justice Hansen at quarterback. Um, and he should have a really good year with those really good wide receivers that he's got down there. Or even Troy. You can never count out uh, Neil Brown's crew. So, um, But I'm going to take the uh, the over here on App State. I'm just not quite as sold on App State this year as maybe you are. I don't think you can just simply lose a four-year guy like like Taylor Lamb. Uh, usually it's pretty de- detrimental. Now, the one good thing for them, though, is they do bring back Jalen Moore at running back. He's a stud. That's a, that's a name that you might not know out there. So... I, I see App State going under. I just don't think they can overcome the loss of Taylor Lamb. I agree. Same reason I'm going under. They also lose a couple O-linemen to the NFL, so so that scares me. Combined with the loss of Nate Woody, Ryan, I, I have to go 8-4 and four and go under. All right. Next on our list is number 9, Northern Illinois. Their over-under is set at 6.5. The defense should be great again this year. They lost Jawan Johnson to TCU like we talked about in our Big 12 preview episode. Check it out, podcast app near you. Uh, but the most important player, Sutton Smith, led the nation in tackles for loss, All-American. He comes back, as does the entire defensive line. So the defense is set. The offense was mediocre last year, but it did get better when the freshman Mar- Marcus Childers was in at quarterback, and the entire offensive line is back. So they're not going to be great, but they're going to be improved. So combine those two things together, and I'm going over six and a half. And I guess I should mention why their season win total is so low at six and a half. They have a brutal non-conference schedule <laughs> yeah. at Iowa. Yeah. Who created their schedule? Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I have no idea. The devil. <laughs> at Iowa, Utah, at Florida State, and then at BYU. So they're going to struggle in most of those games, but I think they're going to win the MAC East because Toledo lost Logan Woodside. And then in the championship, I say the defense takes down Nathan Rourke in Ohio. All right. Yeah, I like the Ohio pick. I, I'm high on Solich's squad there. Yeah. Northern Illinois, their their offense has to get better, right? It just has to. I mean, yeah, they, ha- absolutely. They, had- <laughs> they had so many injuries last year. And then Childers came in. He should provide some consistency at quarterback play. And, and with them getting Toledo and Ohio at home, I like their chance to win their division as well. So I'm, I'm going to say over but just because of their sweet defense. Now, I'm going to go under here. I think they could conceivably go 0-4 in that non-conference. And I think the MAC is just, it's very balanced this year. I think there's literally seven teams that have a realistic chance of winning the conference. So with the parity in that conference, I, I just don't see them getting over that win total. So I'm, I'm going under. Yeah, it is wide open this year. All right, let's, uh, let's get to our eighth team. Who is that, Trey? Houston. The Cougs. Now, they're over-under set at eight, with the under being the the favorite here. 
Now, Major Applewhite realized he needed a boost to his offense, so he brought in Kendall Bryles, who's going to lead quarterback De'Eric King, who Michael is a huge fan of. Love De'Eric he's, King. <laughs> he's a, he's electric, but he needs to take another step in terms of, of his passing ability, especially since they lose their running back Catalan, and not to mention the rushing attack wasn't all that great towards the end of last year. We all know about Ed Oliver. He's going to be a force on defense. And they're going to blend in some transfers from Power 5 schools to hopefully fill fill the other gaps. So they have a lot of toss-up games on their schedule, but I'm a believer in Derek King. He's dynamic, and he's going to make the plays to get them over eight wins. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say they go over as well. They got some really good news when Ole Miss transfer Deontay Anderson was ruled eligible to play this season. He's a, a really good player in the secondary, so he'll join an already very good secondary at Houston. Um, and they lost four really close games last year. So I think they're being a little underrated going into this year. So yeah, give me that over. I'm going to say they do. They go over that. I completely agree with you guys that you, you got to think that Quentin Dormady is going to lead this team to an undefeated season. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> What's he doing there? I have no idea. That's so weird. I love De'Eric King, like you said, Trey. So definitely going over here. And I'm going to throw in, and it's a plus 115 over, so we got the underdog there. Yeah. But I'll throw in a crazy, stupid, bold prediction. De'Eric King makes it to New York. Wow. Okay. It could happen, for, for sure. I mean, just for just for like for vacation in the offseason, but... Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 Okay. All right. Who is number seven on our list? All right. Number seven uh, is Navy. Uh, their current win total is being set at seven. Um and the over is the favorite at minus 140. I definitely like the over on Navy since they play at Hawaii. They actually get to play 13 games this year. So all they have to do is go seven and six just to just to push this line. Um, and, the, and in the last 15 years, they failed to reach seven wins just once. Uh, and in fact, they've actually won eight or more in 13 out of the last 15 years. So they're used to winning now. Um, they bring back two experienced quarterbacks and Zach Aby and Malcolm Perry. Perry's probably going to be the guy, but it's nice to have depth in case there's an injury, which there might be with an option style offense like they have. Um, and their defense improved quite a bit last year. They went from 100th in S&P Plus to 83rd, and they have a lot of returners coming back, including their big 305-pound uh, nose tackle, Jackson Pittman. So I think they're going to take another step forward on that side of the ball, and I'm feeling pretty confident on the over here. I agree. I'm very high on Navy this year. Um, Ken Niamatololo said that Malcolm Perry is the most dynamic runner they've had since he's been there. And that's that's saying something at Navy. Yeah, so he just can't I, pass like at all. That's the issue. Well, he doesn't need to. Who cares? He, <laughs> he really doesn't need to. And they have Zach Aby, like you said. I think both of them are going to get playing time for sure. Maybe Zach Aby comes in um, if they ever need to pass or maybe <laughs> even in short yardage situations. So I think that's going to be a good combo. And like you mentioned earlier, Ryan, that Notre Dame game, wouldn't shock me at all if they pull off the upset there. So over no, seven, absolutely not. Wow, you guys are you guys are high on on the midshipmen. I'm I'm not as high. I we I love Malcolm. Do you Perry. hate America, totally. Trey? Is is that what it is? <laughs> I totally love Malcolm Perry, and and what you guys said about him is awesome. The other thing I like about him was that he played half the year at slot back last year. So he's he's a tough guy, not just because he's in the Navy. Yeah, but. They just don't have the returning production on both sides of the ball to to keep them in the mix with the the likes of Houston, Memphis, UCF, and crew. So I I'm not as high on on Navy this year. So I'm going to lean under. All right, we are to number six on our list. Who we got there, Trey? We have 
Fresno State, they're over-under sitting at eight with the under a slight favorite. Now, I was a huge fan of the Bulldogs last year. You can tell right away that that Jeff Tedford's influence was felt right away, and it led to a, a remarkable turnaround, one of the best ever in college football. They return quarterback McMarion. He should grow leaps and bounds under Tedford's guidance. They've got wideout Keyshawn Johnson, spelled differently. Yeah. <laughs> He's a playmaker that's going to help this offense thrive. Now, the negative side to Fresno is that they're they're pretty much depleted on the defensive line and they lost their defensive coordinator. So they they lose a lot of the production from the front of the defense and and that's going to hurt, but they do return almost everyone at linebacker and in the secondary. So that combined and you look at their the conference race we don't really know how it's going to shape up until mid-November because Fresno is playing Boise and San Diego State then. So they might be on cruise control until till that point in time. So I'm going to trust Jeff Tedford again and lean on the returning offense and the back end of that defense to say they get over, but not not enough to, to beat Boise in the Mountain West. I'm not as high on Fresno State as, as most people are and as it sounds like you are. Um, I, I, I do like that they're bringing back McMarion and and some weapons on the offense, but really it was the defense that carried them last year. They were 13th in the country in defensive S&P Plus, which was incredible. But but like you say, the loss as a defensive coordinator, he went back to the CFL. Uh, the losses on the D-line, those were three of their leaders, uh, their top three leaders in sacks and tackles for loss from that defensive line, all gone. So I think the defense is going to take a step back, and they're going to go under the eight wins. Yeah, Mike, I'm... I'm in complete agreement with you. I have the exact same, I had the exact same response prepared pretty much. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I really did. Everything I had, it was prepared. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. Michael Tick. But All right. I can replace your response, Ryan. I, uh, I have a list of some great names on Fresno State. Can I go through that? Sure. All right. So they've got a wide receiver named Micaiah Quick, a transfer from Oklahoma, but Quick for a wide receiver, perfect name. Yeah. They've yeah. got a defensive end named Endo. <laughs> Emeka Endo, very very appropriate, and then they've got a cornerback named Tank Tank Kelly, which that one's ironic, but yeah, it's still funny. So still funny. All right, if if we're just going by names, they're going undefeated. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I'm going under on Fresno too, and you you guys have touched it pretty well. So I'll just say under. All right, let's get to number five on our list, and it is San Diego State. Their win total is set at eight and a half, and I am extremely high on San Diego State this year. We already talked about Jawan Washington. Ryan, you're you're not crazy or you are crazy. I can't remember. Carly Rae Jepsen, can you help me out? This is crazy. That's right. He is crazy. Ah. All right. All right <laughs> but Carly. but yeah, Jawan Washington, the four starters back on the O-line, Christian Chapman back at quarterback. The offense is going to be very good again. There's no doubt about it. And defensively, they were good last year and they bring back seven starters. So I think this is just a very complete team. They've got Arizona State and Stanford on the schedule again this year, but they beat them both last year. So I give them a puncher's chance to do that again, and I'm going over eight and a half. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you again, Mike. I'm I'm going over here on the Aztecs. The last three years, they've won 11, 11, and then 10 games last year. So they could even drop a game um, and go down to nine and still cover the over here. So I like their chances, especially since I think they're going to be an overall better team. Um Offensively, I'm going to touch on the offensive line a little bit. Of the 65 offensive line starts they had last year, 46 went to freshmen and sophomores. 
and two of those freshmen were named second team all conference. So the ground game should obviously be dominant. Um, Similar story for the defense. Freshmen and sophomores accounted for 41% of their Havoc plays, um, and they were a good top 40 defense last year. So I just don't see anything not to like about the Aztecs. I, I love what Rocky Long has done with San Diego State. I love his style. You got the hard-nosed running, the big offensive line, the solid defense. And really what he's done at San Diego State is nothing short of a miracle. I mean, they've had, they got Whoa, the bad... a miracle. Wow. Well, I mean, <laughs> seriously, they've got... A bad stadium, poor fan attendance, patchy teams before he got there, and now they're just they're a consistent, you know, ten plus win team uh, over the last few years. So the one thing though I'm concerned about for this team is Christian Chapman. I'm just not sold on him taking the next step. He's had chances and he's pretty pedestrian at quarterback. Yeah. He's lucky that they have an incredible offensive line. But you guys didn't mention that they do also have to play at Boise and at Fresno, you know, on top of what you said, Michael Stanford and, and ASU. So I see them only winning eight games and they go under the total. Okay, Ryan, who is next on the list? All right, number four, we got Memphis. Uh, their current win total is being set at eight and a half. Uh, and the under is the slight favorite there at minus 120. Uh, the offense carried them last year. There's no secrets about that. Um, they went 10 and three, had a great great year uh, in particular <laughs> Riley Ferguson and Anthony Miller carried them uh, but those guys are both gone um, as is their off-conference lineman Gabe Kuhn so even though they don't lose much else from that team um, I think they're going to take a pretty big step back without those top guys especially Ferguson um, Memphis does have two candidates to replace him at quarterback um, sophomore David Moore or junior Brady White Neither did enough this spring to take hold of the job, so that's a bit concerning um, if you're Memphis. And defensively, they weren't even a top 100 defense last year, and they lose their best player on that side of the ball in, G- in Gennard um, Avery. He had 22 tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks. Um, I know they were young in general, but I just don't see them taking a huge step forward, um, especially with an offense that won't be as efficient um, and bail them out as much. So um, give me the under here on the Tigers. I I agree. They're just losing too much production there. They although Memphis historically does seem to replace these voids uh, pretty well, but I think a, a loss that's also going to hurt them is losing offensive coordinator Daryl Dickey. But they return a lot on defense, so they can only get better. We would we would think at this point. But with them going up against teams like UCF, Houston especially having to go on the road in a couple of those, I think they just have to replace too much firepower to make up for their poor defense. So I'm leaning under. Completely agree with you guys. One guy you didn't even mention, their second receiver, Phil Mayhew. He had a big year last year too, and he's gone. So too much firepower gone. And the road games are are, are pretty tough for them this year. They've got at Navy, at Missouri in the non-conference, and at SMU. So I think they could lose all three of those. Uh, there might be one loss along the way somewhere else. I am going eight and four under. All right. We are to number three on the list. Who we got there, Trey? Your boy Lane Kiffin, Michael, Florida Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> they're, it. Love they're it. over under set at eight and a half with the under being the slight favorite at minus 125. So I'm going to go under on FAU though. They finished 2017 like one of the best teams and they had a chip on their shoulder to do so now they're kind of expected to do it and they 
I think they personally lose too much and face too difficult of a schedule to to repeat the success from last season. They have to replace quarterback Jeff Driscoll, a couple top receivers, some notable all-conference linemen, and a solid pass rusher. And all of this while also shuffling the the staff. Most notably, Bryles is leaving their offensive coordinator gig for another job, and then he's being replaced by twenty four year old a twenty four year old Weiss. Who that's just a classic <laughs> Lane Kiffin move right there. <laughs> Charlie Weiss Jr. Yeah, crazy. Now he does still have the amazing Devin Singletary to rely on in the backfield. Who he actually averaged over one hundred fifty yards a game on the ground in his last twelve games last year. That's remarkable. Yeah. But their schedule, it's difficult. They have to play at Oklahoma and UCF like we talked about. And and, and within conference, they play at Marshall. Now, speaking of Marshall, they've got some momentum in the offseason after winning their bowl game against Colorado State. And Doc Holliday has them poised to be tough in 2018. So I like, I'm high on Marshall. And North Texas is another contender since they return their quarterback, Mason Find, and they have a solid offensive nucleus. The problem was with them is they're pretty thin on and weak on defense. So overall, Florida Atlantic, they're now the hunted and not the hunter. So I see them going under eight and a half. Okay, fair enough, Trey. Um, I think we had a maybe a one or two fact checks there. Um, I think you called him Jeff Driscoll. Isn't it uh, his brother, Jason? That was the FAU's quarterback, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then See how, how we age. <laughs> and it, what, what was Mason, what Mason's last name for North <laughs> Texas? The quarterback? Fine. Mason. Oh, I thought you said find, like I found something. No, F-I-N-E. Okay. Okay. Maybe I just heard that wrong. Anyway, I just want to make sure we're all, we're all clear here. Thanks, stat boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't like to be called that anymore, guys. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it's crazy how good uh, North Tech, I mean, Florida Atlantic was the last Tech fact game check, of the year. Fact check, fact check, Florida Atlantic, right? You meant Florida <laughs> Dang Atlantic. <laughs> Dang. All right. <laughs> yeah, the last 10 games of the year, they were awesome. Finished 11th in S&P Plus. Um, just amazing job by Kiffin. Um, I'm taking the over here, though, because they were head and shoulders better than anybody in the conference last year, and I don't see it changing much this year. Yeah, they lose Driscoll at QB, but they might even be better at that position because they get Florida former Florida State quarterback DeAndre Johnson, 100% healthy, and former Oklahoma quarterback Chris Robinson. He's ready to go as well. Both are dual threat guys. Fact that check, Ryan. Problems. Fact check right there. Uh, it's Robinson. Wow, is it really? I think so. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> I'm a bad stat boy, apparently. Um, anyways, Robinson or Robinson? We'll have to take a quick look at that. We'll let you know later in the pod. Um but anyways, they they have more upside to me than Driscoll did. Um, so I, I think uh, I think they're going to dominate the conference again. Yeah, they have a couple of tough non-conference games, but I think they're going to str- roll through the Conference USA and uh, go over here. There is no N in there, Ryan. So God, yeah, damn. yeah. Stat boy just got stat checked. <laughs> what goes around comes around. I obviously love Lane Kiffin. We've made that clear on this podcast. But I actually think what Kendall Bryles did for this offense last year was, I mean, he might have been the guy that was really responsible for their amazing season last year yeah it's i mean true. he was able to take mediocre quarterback play and yet somehow craft a creative offense they were they were able to just basically run down everyone's throats so his loss is huge um the defense is going to be vastly improved there's a lot of talent coming back there but i i think the step back on offense is is going to be what what does them in and also the schedule trey you didn't even mention at middle tennessee at north texas so Brutal road schedule leads me to an under, 
But I have a question for you guys. Where do you think that uh, that Lane Kiffin will be next year? Personally, I think Kiffin is going to be at FAU again, especially since I'm not sold on him having matching the success of, of last season. But he still might be a hot commodity, and he could potentially go to a place like Texas Tech if, if they lose Kingsbury or maybe Colorado if they, they get, they're underperforming and lose McIntyre this year. Boy, I don't know. It seems just kind of like a about the question of like who's which power five team is going to struggle the most this year. So it's, it's a crapshoot, but I think FAU is going to be good. So I think he will get a lot of um, his name thrown in for a lot of jobs, but who knows where he's going to end up. Strong take, Ryan. Um, Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a Michael take, you know, just, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I, the reason I asked this is that I was listening to podcast ain't played nobody and they threw out Georgia tech as a possible destination, which interesting. Uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting. They're desperate to compete for recruits with Georgia and and just be relevant, I guess. And Lane Kiffin would immediately immediately do that. So I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it's insane. Obviously, assuming Paul Johnson struggles and gets fired. But let's get to our number two team, which is UCF. Their season win total is nine and a half. And they're they're obviously going to be very good this year with Mackenzie Milton back at quarterback, Adrian Killens back at running back, but I think they're going to be significantly worse than last year. Josh Heupel, you would have to imagine, is is a, a pretty decent downgrade compared to Scott Frost. And and Mackenzie Milton also lost some major weapons to the NFL. Traquan Smith got drafted at receiver. Jordan Akins at tight end as well. The defense, some big losses. Mike Hughes was a first rounder. Shaquem Griffin, of course, the heart of the defense gone. So I think there's just too much top tier talent. The coaching turnover, I, I think there's a lot working against them. I mean, I, I think they'll win the AAC East because they got Temple at home. USF loses Quentin Flowers. And they'll probably win the AAC too. I think they'll beat Memphis in the championship. But I just don't quite see 10-2. and two. I'm going under. You know, Josh Heupel, he walked into both the best and worst situation, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. He, good point. The, you know, he gets a stack cupboard, but it's just impossible to top what, what Frost and crew did last year, especially with the high expectations going into this season. Now, he did bring in Randy Shannon to anchor the defense. So even with the losses of that you mentioned, Griffin and Hughes, maybe he can uh, help alleviate some of that. And they, they add Alabama transfer Aaron Robinson. Are you sure the N is in there, Trey? I, I am. I can confirm there's an N. <laughs> okay, just confirming. <laughs> you never know. But but like I was saying, they, they do return some other talent in the secondary that could help because they're going to face some high-octane offenses in this AAC. But I, I really desperately want to go under 9.5 because of the letdown from last year. But but their schedule is just not that difficult. In the East, they have to fight out UCF and, and the team I'm USF, high on. USF, USF, fact check. Oh, gosh, wow. That <laughs> We did this last year, all these acronyms. you got to say Central Florida and South Florida. Central Florida, South yeah. Florida, yeah, absolutely. But... I like Temple. Temple flipped a switch on offense last year, and over the last half of the year, they dramatically improved. I enjoyed watching them in their bowl game victory versus FIU. Isaiah Wright, he's a dynamic wideout. The problem for Temple, though, is most of their tough games are on the road, so it's going to be difficult for them. So I really think UCF's the class, and they're not going to be as good as they were last year, but they go over nine and a half. I'm going to go under here. I think it's it's hard to have two magical seasons in a row, um, but it's pretty clear that athletic director Danny White wanted to hire a coach who would maintain that up-tempo style of play. And 
if this spring is any indication, UCF might even play faster than they did last year. Um, and that was an offense that ranked second in S&P plus. So they're going to be good, but that would have, you'd think they'd regress a little bit. Um, but I, I like U.S. South Florida's chances uh, this year to give them, yeah, just to be clear, just to give them a, I think USF's going to give them a, a run for their money. Um, they did last year. There was a close game in the last game of the regular season. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. I think that last game of the year, Central Florida and South Florida, that game will decide who's going to go to the conference title game. So, uh, But I, I got to go under on UCF overall, though. All right. We are finally to our number one group of five team. Ryan, you're going to take this one first, and why don't you tell the folks about UTEP? <laughs> yeah, UTEP, the number one rated group of five squad, going from 0-12 to 12-0. and It's, crazy. it's bold. It's bold. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> it is another blue team, uh, Boise State. They uh, Their current win total is being set at 10, um, and they're set at under minus 140 is the favorite there. Uh, the defending Mountain West Conference champions, uh, a little controversial, uh, Fresno State kind of got screwed not being able to host that title game, if you guys remember that. Um, yeah. But I'm sure Boise will will take the dub. Um, should be another great year for the men on the blue turf, especially with uh, quarterback Brett Rippon returning for his senior year. Um, it's not just him, though. They returned their leading rusher, most of the offensive line, a ton of receivers who saw significant action. But the one loss that's going to hurt is Cedric Wilson. He was a big-time wide receiver for them. But I, I don't think there's any question the offense is going to be good with as much as they have coming back. Um, as good as the offense might be, the defense might even be better. They were a top 30 S&P Plus defense last year, and they returned their top eight linemen, five out of their top six linebackers, seven DBs who saw time. So they're projected to jump into the top 20 of S&P Plus defense this year. Um, they do play at Troy and at Oklahoma State the first few weeks, so we'll know a lot about them early. And I'm going to say they win both of those and go on to uh, an 11 and one season and go over. I'm high in Boise State too. They're they're my pick to uh, to get to the New Year's Six Bowl. They've been ranked at some point during the season each of the past 16 years. Wow, which is insane. Yeah. Wow, there's only eight other schools that can say that. Headlined by Ohio State, number one on that list. Quick aside: How many years do you think Ohio State has had in a row where they were ranked at some point? Oof. God, when was the last year they weren't very good? Man, I'm going to say it, it's only like 17 years. I'll say 22. 50. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> Isn't oh that crazy? Gosh. Wow. That's like the craziest stat I've ever heard. That is nuts. Wow. Anyway, back to Boise State. You're right, Ryan. There's a lot coming back to this team offensively. Alex Madison, the running back, is awesome. So they're going to have a very good offense. I think there's enough talent outside to, to weather the loss of, of Cedric Wilson defensively one loss he didn't bring up which is a big one a first rounder Leighton Vander Esch he's going to be hard to replace in the linebacking core but everyone else is back pretty much so I agree I'm going over 10. All right we're all clean sweep we're all high on Boise here they're clearly the team to beat in the conference and especially coming off the the high of beating Oregon in the Vegas Bowl last last season and doesn't it feel like Rippon's been there for 10 years it does it, feel, it feels like a long time he's just one of, he's one of those guys that that's been around for a while but he should be back and better and ryan another thing that talking about their defense they have that youth movement they have 15 they had 15 underclassmen contributing last year so they're going to be coming back to an already great defense and they in their schedule they draw san diego state and fresno at home so i really like the over I just don't see them 
them dropping a couple games. So I really like Boise State this season to go over. Do you like Boise State over though? <laughs> Boise over. I can't stress it enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That does it for our top 10 G5 teams. Let us know if you disagree. Who did we leave out? Who got snubbed? But now it's time for the hot seat. And Ryan, you are in the hot seat this week. Again? Are you ready? Man. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Who is the most underrated quarterback from the group of five? I'm going to go with the Brent Stockstill from Middle Tennessee. When healthy, I think he's arguably the best group of five quarterback in the nation. He's thrown for nearly 9,000 yards and has 77 touchdown passes so far in his career. So the issue for him, though, he's just he hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. He's gotten hurt. But if he stays healthy, I think the Blue Raiders will make some noise this year. Who is the most underrated coach in the group of five? I'm going to say Bill Clark. You guys know who that is? Good answer. Oh, UAB, of course. Yeah, right? He led UAB to an 8-5 and five season after they didn't even have a team for two years. I mean, that, that was honestly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in college football. I mean, that's insane to me. All right, good answer. Which head coach is most likely to move on to a Power 5 school after this season? I think we had this question last year, um, and I'm going to say the same guy I said I think last year. It was Brian Harson. I at the Boise State's coach I think they're gonna have a great year so he'll get a lot of attention and this is gonna be his fifth year there so he's kind of gotten out of the Chris Peterson shadow and proven he can consistently get it done on his own so I'm gonna say him last question a 2019 headline reads head coach at a Florida school resigns after security footage captured him making it rain $100 bills into the arms of recruits is this headline more likely to be about Lane Kiffin or Butch Davis Ooh, wow, that's a great question. Thank you. But I got to go with uh, good old Butch Davis. I think he's a, he'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> he will, man. He did a great job, though, at first year uh, at FAU already. He did. He did. All right, good job, Brian. You, you managed the hot seat well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now let's, on the lighter side, let us, let's close it out with a questionable finish. UCF went undefeated last regular season, only to be disrespected by the committee, finishing nowhere near the top four. Name a time when you did a great job, but were left unrewarded. I don't have any specific example of of anything witty or exotic here. Just most of my daily work where the the CFO gets to take credit for my, my good work with the CEO. <laughs> somehow Ooh, it, I hope it, they're not listening. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully they're not podcast fans. Somehow it's only pointed out when I do something incorrect or, or not up to par. So I only get a little credit for the good things. All right. Uh, that I, I hope you don't get fired, Trey. But uh, <laughs> I told a great joke last podcast about Iowa State's quarterback situation being well-kempt. Nah, well-kempt was not good. It was an excellent joke, Ryan. And nobody laughed. All right. Um, I get no respect. Nope, you don't. Because <laughs> his name's Kyle Kempt. And, and well-kempt is like orderly and tidy, you know? Oh, now I get it. No. Yeah, you just yeah. didn't get it. Yeah. That was it. I just didn't get it at first, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, one time I tried to make a really nice homemade dinner for my wife. It was some sort of like seafood dish. And I worked really hard on it. I looked up a recipe, went to the store, tried to get it all prepared. Um, but she came home and ate it and thought it was absolutely disgusting. So uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't get the reward for that one. <laughs> Ouch. 
Yep. Next question. Dana Dimmel takes over as head coach at UTEP after a pathetic 0-12 season. Name a time when you took on a task that seemed destined to fail. All right. Um, I've tried this on a few occasions. I've tried... Was it, was it when you cooked seafood for your wife? <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> um, several times I've tried giving up drinking Coke, or at least scaling back significantly, but... It's just impossible for me. I've kind of just accepted the fact that Coke is going to be in my life. <laughs> Back to Dana Dimmel. I know it's great to be a head coach and get the title, but at what point is it really not worth it? Oh, brutal. Yeah. UTEP. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Poor UTEP. So for me, I made a hole in the wall, and I a literal hole in the wall, and I had to repair it. I think a lot of people had little faith that I'd actually be able to at- repair this thing, but including myself... How I could end up making it worse by fixing it I was, was all I was thinking about, but miraculously I didn't, and I actually performed. How did how did the hole in the wall happen? What, what was it for? Uh, just moving furniture, just casual, uh, uh, right? Just, just casual, like normal, just a casual hole casual in the wall. Hole in the wall. Uh, all right, so my project that seemed destined to fail was starting a college football podcast with yeah, two guys I, yeah. who don't know anything about football. Yeah, I knew that. Right, I right. Knew you were say I that. don't know how you did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last question. Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly is held in high esteem by some members of the of the Fighting Irish fan base, but others still seem on the fence. What's something about which you constantly change your mind as to whether you like it? I'll get us started here. For me, it's Big Macs. Whoa. Sometimes I have one. It's like the greatest thing ever. And other times it's just disgusting. Wow. Okay. Um, for me, honestly, it's horse racing. I mean, I like it. I really do. But I'm so bad at betting. Like, I never win <laughs> that it just really takes the fun out of it when I go. I mean, it really does. It's 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 a big blow every time I go and I just it's lose. It's tough. It sucks. Michael, I'm going the exact same route. McDonald's. I <laughs> Sometimes I have it and I love it. And others, it just leaves, other times it leaves it something to be desired. Whether I have it often or irregularly, I just find myself teetering back and forth, whether I love it or I hate it. I I just, I don't know. It's really too bad they don't make waffles there since I waffle on them. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. What a terrible way to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> very, very bad. Yeah. But that'll do it for our Group of Five and Notre Dame podcast. Again, despite that that joke by Trey, be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Ryan's going to read it in a British accent. Retweet us on Twitter when we post the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. We've got a growing audience, but we'd love to see more and more people listening. We're not going to see them. We can't see through the phone, but if we could, you're looking great. (laughs) We will be back next week with our Big Ten preview. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. Keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.